today on Laura Lynn and Friends. This is no different than what they did with COVID. They're killing people with remdesivir. They're killing them with midazolam, uh, Presidex, fentanyl, combination of cocktails of sedative drugs. That's how they kill you. I mean, they actually are murdering your loved one right in front of you. Hello, and welcome to the beginning of the last days. It is great to be with you. We are seeing epic things happening in our country. Trudeau is under the gun, and we hope that he stays there. Uh, we hope that he is held accountable for what he has done. We'll see how that all goes. Um, I want to get to our guest very, very fast today, so I'm going to delve into my father's Bible. My dad, who was a man among men and um, taught me so much. Do you know in Revelations 18, it talks about Babylon falling? But it's, uh, it says, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. My dad underlined everything he thought was important, and he underlined, come out of her, my people. Come out and be separate. I don't know what we're going to do because Babylon is here. So we've got a bunch of crazies in Canada and the United States of America, you know, going on and on about how you can change your gender. And it's crazy. Like in British Columbia, um, I don't know if you, if you got this uh, that I sent to you, JT, maybe not, but... In British Columbia, we actually have the highest number of LGBTQ uh, sort of uh, folks that resonate with all of this. Uh, you're all genderqueer and all of that. And um, the thing is, is our radio station, CKNW, was talking about this in Vancouver yesterday. And I just have to say, you've all lost your ever-loving minds. You're totally buying into this. You want your children to, you know, be on about this. So let me just put it to you this way. If you're going to... Tell your children that they have to be, you know, uh, all sensitive and inclusive and celebrating, celebrating of the gender queer people. Imagine that that could affect them and then they will perhaps be led very easily by Dr. Wong in our city to be on cross-sex hormones very quickly, maybe just one visit. And then they'll be led down the path where they should perhaps have gender-affirming surgeries, which could, which could mean removing their sex organs and parts of their body that can never come back. And then they're in a very high suicidality rate in a category where suicides are pretty much off the charts. This is where our world is going, and Babylon has truly come. And the corruption in all of these places, it is bad. And my dad also underlined how much she hath glorified herself. That's the country. Lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and I am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine. And she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. So we have lost all fear of God. God is a God who does not want to uh, implement his judgment. He would like to implement his love and mercy and grace on us. But 
we have rejected his ways. Canada has rejected his ways, and the United States has done so as well in many, many ways, and now we're seeing this judgment. And my heart is very hurt. I love that Asbury is happening, and there continues to be movements of the power of the living God. In high schools now, we're hearing word, and I, I believe there's a beginning of the sense that politics can't really fix this, but God can. The church can't because the church has kind of let us all down. And I hope you find a good church that didn't hold vaccine clinics in their basement and didn't have a vaccine bubble section, but a lot of us did, right? A, a lot of us knew of those places, if not attended, and, uh, you know, wear your mask, sit down, and, oh, you can drink communion, I guess. You can take the mask off because, you know, the virus doesn't affect anyone once you're having communion for that moment, two seconds while you drink. But um, we're, we're in a season and a time where we need, we need God to help us to get through this. And we're just so grateful. Dr. Mack has been on this show many, many times. Um, I'm not even going to say actually what he said because we're still on Facebook and YouTube. Um, quickly, um, so uh, BC provincial government introduces a bill that would allow people to change their sex on their birth certificate. Uh, so you can do that. Also, they are going to um, have a bill that you don't even need to put your sex on your birth certificate. And so that is all changing in British Columbia. And I think that when you're born and you've got boy parts, then you're a boy. But we've got... <laughs> We've got a whole Babylon thing going on, and they have bought the Kool-Aid. And these people talking on the radio yesterday, I mean, I just had to roll my eyes and laugh and laugh at what people have decided. And I guess women are being erased, right? It was just International Women's Day. Look at all the men who are now getting the Women's Awards. Woman of the Year, you know? You're allowed to weightlift. Men are allowed to weightlift against the women. I mean, it's hysterical. And all the feminists, they're just kind of like, they're blinking. Oh, I think this is okay. I think this is the way that we have to do it. Um, um, um. It oh, just proves that right. men can do anything and we could do it better than women. Right. Even being a woman. Exactly. Men can now be better women than women, and they're taking all the awards. So you feminists out there, you think that's okay? What a joke. What a joke, and you're all down with it. So I give up, do whatever. I don't celebrate any men that think they're women. Not one, none, at all, not ever, ever. Uh, we got some banking issues going on, and this is the last thing that I'll talk about. So um, Silicon Valley Bank is shut down, the biggest bank to fall since the financial crisis. Right at this moment, I want to let you know, we've been warning you, we've been letting you know that you cannot keep sustaining our economy when you have printed money and there's nothing backing that money. Sooner or later, the house of cards falls down. And there is a problem with Wells Fargo Bank, but they're saying it's just a glitch. Isn't that the case, JT? Wells Fargo is also having a problem because I think you were explaining a lot of money is starting to get moved around. People are getting a bit nervous. So we highly recommend uh, missing direct deposits uh, amid technical issue. Do you believe anyone anymore? I don't believe anyone anymore. So here's what we're thinking is that if you've got amounts of money in your bank account, like some of you do, some of you don't, but if you do, 
or if you have, you know, a little bit you'd like to put away for a rainy day, we suggest that you get into silver and gold, and we do suggest Steve Merrill, and his email is sovereignize at protonmail.com. Steve said he, he made that name up, sovereignize, because he thinks that we are sovereign and our money should be sovereign. When you put your money against actual silver and gold and you have it in your hands, that is legit. It is not legit to keep thinking that you've got $100,000 sitting there in your bank account. Some of you do. I wish I did. <laughs> but if you've got money sitting there and you think it's safe, the moment that this all crashes, the moment that the house of cards falls, and it will be in a moment, in a moment, it will happen. They will hold, they will seize accounts. They will hold, uh, you know, is it, you get left with 30%, I think. You, you get to have 30% of your money. The rest of it, who knows? They hold it. There's all kinds of things that, that banks do. They have provision for all of that nonsense. So I would like to invite Dr. Brian Artis onto the screen, and then we're going to say goodbye to Facebook. We'll say a big hello to him. How is Dallas today? How, how is the area down there, wherever you are? I don't even really know what, what place, but is it warm? Like, are you feeling the warmth? or? I am. It's warmer than your picture in the background <laughs> right. of your view. Yeah, it's... Uh, Probably in the mid-70s, early, early 80s today, and uh, nice. it's very nice and sunshiny today, which is great. Yesterday was foggy and rainy all day long. You know, that is, oh, okay, foggy and rainy, so very Vancouver-ish. Uh, so that's cool. Now, uh, Dr. Artis, you'll be coming up here to the Vancouver area. Um, Mid-April, you have agreed to come and greet Canadians, and there is a collective cheer going out right now. So you will be in Calgary and Vancouver, and quite possibly in Red Deer or Saskatchewan. But um, we're getting the final details on that, but you've agreed to come, and we are so grateful, and, and uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait to see you in front of a live crowd. They are going to be so blessed. Uh, we have lots to talk about. Um, what do you think about the whole financial thing? Just while we've got you on about America, like everything's going up here. My Cremo for my coffee is costing way too much money now. And going out to eat at a drive through is everything going up down there as well? Oh, my goodness. Everything is getting massively expensive, obviously. Uh, way more than I ever anticipated for sure. That is not just in Canada, it's all over the world, I'm sure. But very, it's very obvious here, even for our family to go out to go eat, uh, where it used to be for me and Jane alone to go have dinner for $50. I mean, we're running a hundred bucks everywhere we go if we go out to eat now. So yeah. you might wanna learn how to do intermittent fasting to learn how to reduce your grocery bill during this period. They're trying to choke out all your funds. Yeah, the, the earnings are not going up for people typically and the expense of living is doubling, tripling in some cases. Yes, it has been a, a very obvious strain on a lot of people. I'm sure they're going to try to been... squeeze us all and break us all. Yes, exactly. And I'm sure you've been watching uh, some of this stuff on the COVID hearings. I think that's all over YouTube and Facebook, right? But the um, you know the inquiries as to where it's been at. And Doctor, is it Redwood, Redfield? Redfield. Um, yeah, Redfield. he is just bringing bombshells, isn't he? Yeah, and this is uh, who Paul Elias Alexander that I know you, you've surely met and everybody in Canada should love and consider a hero. He, he had uh, had many conversations with Redfield, Redfield and has called him out from the very beginning, even when Trump was in office and he was there with the NIH. Uh, Paul Elias Alexander has uh, 
not spoken in favor very much of Redfield and his actions for the last several years. So, yes, uh, I would trust anything that's about to be voted on as a collective agreed origin story of COVID by our governments. If you actually think they're going to tell you the truth now, uh, you're going to be massively let down once again. Uh, how many times has there been events that have occurred in your country, in my country of the United States, where there has been a massive attempt by the government to cover up what the truth really is from many scenarios. I ran them through with you earlier before we even started recording here, but uh, the government came out with their official report on JFK's assassination, which was obviously not accurate <laughs> and wasn't truthful. The 9-11 uh, uh, production of their findings for a year, two years later, uh, still wasn't accurate and still wasn't truthful. So uh, what, what can we expect now on a global scale where the governments of the world and the health federations that represent global uh, country organizations like the World Health Organization, the United Nations. Uh, at what point do we actually think now they're going to be honest to us as a whole, that the governments of this world were not in on what was being created as a global, all at once, orchestrated, uh, envenomation really, uh, and attempt to vaccinate the entire world. They were all in on this. There's no way that uh, they're going to be honest right now and let you know we're also responsible. Right. In my opinion, this is kind of how, yeah, this is kind of what's going to happen in my opinion. Uh, how many times have you seen Laura Lynn? Have you seen a drug that was approved by your FDA in the United States or whichever your uh, federal drug administration is? For yeah. So whenever they have approved a drug, how many times have you seen law offices later after the government has approved them, how many times have you seen that the FDA or this organization in Canada is being sued for approving a drug and declaring it safe and effective? You have never seen it. Uh, only the manufacturers of the drugs are then sued. Now, you need to understand this. We all sit back and go, but has the FDA approved the product before I take it? And then we would take it and then you'd find out it had horrible side effects and then lawyers would help to sue the manufacturers of the things they knew the drug was going to cause before they even sold it to you. But there's this stamp of approval from our federal government health agencies like the FDA here in America and the one in Canada. They stamp the approval and then you have full faith that they are actually looking out for your better good. But did you know that the FDA approval isn't a real thing? Did you know they actually don't send a certificate to the company to say, we reviewed all your literature. We now approve your drug. Do you want to know why there is no stamp of approval, a physical certificate you'll never find in the manufacturer's facility from the FDA? They go like this. Thank you for all your information on the drug you sent us. If you would like to get this on the shelves immediately, you can just pay us $10 million. And then you have till this date, three weeks in advance from here or whatever the time period is, if you don't hear back from us in three weeks, let's just call it a Monday. If you don't hear from us on March 21st, a Monday. If you don't hear anything back from us, a request for more information, you could say our product is approved. This is exactly what's gonna happen now. This is The FDA is not going to be responsible for telling you the drug they're approving is safe and effective. They're not gonna do that, but they and will take the drug manufacturer's money and then let you put it on a shelf and then give it to you and then they can say that you approved it, FDA approval or the Canadian group approval, and they will never be held liable for the injuries coming from those actual drug experiments or drugs that are being put on the market or the vaccines they approved. Uh, this is really disgusting, but these groups that we put full faith in to protect us, 
they are completely immune. Good luck. They didn't put right. anything in writing that said it was approved. They didn't, they didn't say we cleared this for you. And we now as a government institution are going to be responsible for your help in the outcome of what happens to you after you take the drug. No, well, you've never I seen I want to get into responsible. all of this. Yeah, I want to get into all of this, and I'm just going to tell uh, Facebook and YouTube, uh, we are going to ask you right now, head over to Rumble. We have put the description right into the um, the chats, and you can do that, or you can go over to Rumble and uh, Google my name, Laurel Lynn Tyler Thompson. Uh, we have huge numbers already on, and so just head over there because we want to respect uh, the platforms that do not wish to discuss certain things, and we're going to um, now uh, let... Let you guys go, but we're staying with Dr. Brian Artis for the foreseeable future. So get over to Rumble. All right. So Dr. Artis, when they, how can they, I mean, this is such a fraud. And now we're finding out that, uh, you know, well, of course, FDA didn't approve these, uh, these vaccines. And they still have no way, I mean, they have no culpability in it at all. And so we don't have any trust left. No, and you really shouldn't. And one thing that everyone should be taking away from this is to not put faith and trust in the pharmaceutical industry or their drug dealers that they call medical doctors. I mean, that's really all it is. They just legalized a drug cartel, which is what the pharmaceutical industry is. And then they provided bills, lobbied money to legislators and elected officials to actually support bills to protect and make sure that their drugs are protected and that their drugs are being uh, put on schedules to be injected inside of all of your children and adults as a part of requirement to attend your government schools, uh, funded schools. I mean, this is what they're doing. I would never, ever, 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 ever trust a drug being offered to you by a medical doctor, a drug, into the foreseeable future. I would not do that. I would actually focus all of your attention and energy and doing your own research and putting your faith in naturopathic healers or people that actually respect nature and God's created immunity that he put inside of you. God did not screw up Laura Lynn on day six. He got it right the first time. And you're right, I grow this beard so no one confuses whether or not I'm a woman or not because I know I'm a man, I grow facial hair. So you know, I was born a male, I am a male. I appreciate what God created. I don't think he screwed up when he made me. <laughs> I don't think so. And I don't think he screwed up when he made you or anybody else on this planet. He got it right the first time. And we need to break away from this indoctrination that's been fed to us, that we need to put more faith in science when it comes to the health of this natural organism God made and actually put more faith in what God created, which is you, all the plants and animals he put on this earth to sustain you, he created. I would put more faith in those things than I would in what man is trying to convince you forevermore that they created something in a lab to make God's creation work better. That's not what's happening. That's not what they have done. They are not, they do not. The pharmaceutical industry and no medical doctor or me knows more than God does. We are not greater than him. <laughs> he figured it out and knew it all along how to get it just right. And you and I were made just right. Now let's just go put faith in the natural elements God put on this earth have respect for the minerals that you see in the periodic table of elements that God put down here to create all of life. Notice when you look at the periodic table of elements, have you ever seen that? Do they show you guys that in Canada yes. in elementary school, middle school, yeah. high school? Okay. So we're aware of the periodic table of elements. How many of you have a respect for that chart from science that says 
These are the building blocks of all of life on earth, which includes you. How many of you are focusing on making sure those minerals, which are metals, all outlined in the periodic table of elements, how many of you are making sure that you're getting sources of all those minerals to support life? How many of you are actually making sure you get those? For example, calcium's on the periodic table of elements, magnesium's on that list, selenium is on that list, zinc, iodine, sodium, which is salt, potassium, you go on and on. These are the basic building blocks of life. They are found in supplements. They are found in your food, vegetables, meats, you name it. They're found there. Go eat them and put more faith in those things that are the basics of what God created and use those and count on those and always have a perspective that you're going to try everything naturally first before you ever have to turn to pharmacia personally. That is really my message. It has been my life for the last 20 years. It just so happens they tried to shove it down our throats and I wasn't going to sit back and let them do that to you. I wasn't going to let them poison you to death and convince you all you had to save your life was a poison called remdesivir, was a poison called midazolam, morphine, fentanyl, presidex, lorazepam, you name it. And I definitely wasn't going to allow any of you within the sound of my voice or in Canada, for crying out loud, be convinced that there is a vaccine made by anybody that your body requires to continue to survive this pandemic of sorts for the last three years. There's no way I was going to sit back and let that happen. It's a flat out lie. Not even deceptive. It's a flat out lie. And they obviously have no respect. These scientists and medical professionals, no respect whatsoever for God's creations over their own. And that I find deplorable and anti-God in my opinion. It is. I was wondering, uh, you being so smart and knowing so much about uh, everything that you've come out with and how you have done the research and really showed you, I think you call it the venomization, but if you could take me back to January 2020 and we begin to hear that there's something going on in China or maybe it was even in December, but we're all kind of just monitoring. What were you thinking? When were you alarmed that there's something bigger than we all thought going on? Yeah, it's a great question. So in January of 2020, I actually was launching a new company online with my wife, Jane, that you said hi to earlier. My wife and I launched a company called Artist Labs that I had been developing products for for a year and a half. And so we were very excited to get the product finally in inventory, get all the systems set up to make sure people could order it at home. And then I launched it January of 2020. I actually had heard, maybe heard, I don't pay attention to the news, but in January of 2020 about something coming out of China, <laughs> uh, some infection or a new pandemic. But you have to understand, I had zero care of what they were talking about. And I'll tell you why. In my 26 years of being an adult and in practice for 20 years, I'd already seen H1N1, H5N1. Uh, I've seen and heard and watched the swine flu come and go. I've seen the bird flu come and go. And all my patients would ask me, what do you think about this bird flu? What do you think about this swine flu? Do we need to be worried? Do we need to be looking for a vaccine? Back then in 2001, two, three, four, five. And I'd go like this. No, it's going gonna, it's gonna to play itself out. Don't worry about it. We're not going to be passing bird and swine diseases among each other. Although the media was telling you different, that it was going to encompass the whole world and everybody was going to get sick. No, that wasn't true. All the animals that were getting those diseases in farmhouses were touching each other. <laughs> Human beings aren't standing next to each other all day long, touching each other to be able to spread these infections 
that they were spreading to the other pigs in the farmhouse, to the other chickens in the farmhouse. They were typically going from them to the farmers or farm workers that were physically handling the animals. So I would tell them, I'm like, look, even if this passes from the farmer to one other person in a hospital, it's going to die after that. We don't, we're not standing right next to each other like pigs are lined up in stalls, touching each other their whole life, just standing there being able to eat. They don't even move. But this is how quickly those infections are able to spread through them. So when they talked about this thing coming out of Wuhan, China, and a few people had it out there, I remember thinking, uh, it's going to die just like the other ones did. I'm not worried. The very next month, it's, it's February of 2020. The world knows my story. My father-in-law walked into a hospital in Dallas, Texas, complaining of fever and a headache and then was murdered in the next nine days. And I was kicked out of the hospital, escorted by security. They wouldn't allow me to talk to my, the doctors, the nurses, or my family in the building. And then uh, put them on a morphine drip to kill them on day nine, 10. So from there, I still wasn't paying attention to uh, Wuhan or a coronavirus of any kind, I didn't care. I was too busy worrying about a funeral now and taking care of my wife and family and my anger and upset and depression against the hospital systems. So for three months, Laura Lynn, all I did was sit at home on my computer and I built out a case against the hospital. That's what I did. And uh, built out the case day by day, all of his records going through and actually being able to pull together the narrative that was gonna allow me one day in court to hold this hospital accountable and make them accountable to my wife's family and to us for murdering him. That's what I was doing the whole time. And then May of 2020 is when I realized something big is going on in America and I need to see what in the world they're doing. And it was when I started hearing these like reports coming out and I don't even know where I heard it cause I don't watch TV, but I, I was hearing these reports from people, I guess, saying that in New York, there's this outbreak of COVID-19 going on in hospitals in May of 2020. And I wanted to know what they were reporting. So I actually went online because I was curious. I was like, why is this only happening in New York City? <laughs> why is it not here in Texas? Because we weren't talking about COVID here in Texas or other parts of the country. And when I, this is when the alarm for me went off. Uh, so this is May 13th of 2020 is the day for me. And I go online and I want to hear what are, the, what are the doctors saying in the media? So I went online and looked up on YouTube reports from medical doctors and hospital administrators in the New York City hospitals. Every single interview was really short, five to seven minutes or so, but the doctors and the administrators said the same thing every time. Uh, when we start treating this COVID-19 virus, this coronavirus, every report was the same. We have never seen a respiratory virus ever do this before. When we start treating this virus, a respiratory virus, the respiratory virus, they were saying, is leaving the lungs and shutting down their kidneys. Within 24 to 48 hours, we're seeing a massive amount of acute kidney failure from this virus we've never seen before. Now, when I was watching these, I watched about five of them, and they all said the same thing. And all that was replaying in my head was, uh, well, obviously these medical doctors are right. It is not normal, Laura Lynn, for an actual virus in the lungs to move to the kidneys. They were being honest about that. So what I wanted to know was though, what was ringing for me? My father-in-law walked into a hospital three months earlier complaining of headache and a fever, and they diagnosed him with a virus called the flu. And they started treating him with a hospital protocol, their quote to me, this is just host hospital protocol, Dr. Artis. They put him on an antibiotic day one called vancomycin that has a published side effect of acute kidney failure 
in 24 to 48 hours in my father-in-law's age range. So they were causing the acute kidney failure. They then called me and my wife. Every day was getting worse and worse. He didn't come in with acute kidney failure, but all of a sudden on day two, he's got acute kidney failure and his lungs are filling with fluid. They called pneumonia by the day, by the day and time I got there on day five, there was so much fluid in his lungs and on his brain, he was unconscious and on a vent. And they were just calling us every day saying he was getting worse. And now he's unconscious is why I went up there only to find out every day that they were lying to me every day. He actually did not have pneumonia. I had him show me the x-rays. It was pulmonary edema. There was a fine line of water filling up in his lungs every day, getting worse because they shut down his kidneys every day with a drug called vancomycin. And I, and I actually thought, Laura, I actually thought that the New York hospitals must be using the same drug against this COVID virus because it's the same poisonous, detrimental, toxic effect that happened to my father-in-law when he went in for a virus, uh, only to discover. So at home, all I did was go on the CDC.gov's website here in America, and I wanted to know what are they treating COVID-19 patients with? And I thought I was going to see the antibiotic vancomycin that has a high probability and published side effect of acute kidney failure. And the CDC's website said, we do not have a protocol for COVID. When I looked it up and searched on their website, it says, we don't have a, a protocol for COVID. We've adopted the NIH's protocol for COVID in hospitals. So all I did was hit the hyperlink to the NIH. And this is where the windfall for me started for the last three years. Uh, when I read the, the memo on the NIH's website, I actually, this is not a joke. I did not even know who Dr. Anthony Fauci was until this moment. I'm reading the memo and it says, Dr. Anthony Fauci's memo for hospitals in America. And all I said was, is, uh, Every hospital in America can only use one drug. It's an experimental antiviral drug, so it wasn't FDA approved. It actually said this is an experimental antiviral drug called remdesivir. And remdesivir, he said, real shortly, it was a one paragraph thing, real shortly, remdesivir is proven safe and effective against the Ebola virus in a trial a year before the pandemic. And then he said it was found safe and effective against COVID-19 infected patients. And I read both studies because I had never heard of the drug remdesivir. Now the whole world pretty much knows what it is because I made sure they did. But when I clicked the two studies, the first study on the Ebola trial, uh, it actually found that the safety board reviewing and overseeing the patients getting the experimental drugs for Ebola in Africa in 2019. It was a year long study. They divided four countries into parts of this research study and we're testing people for Ebola and then giving them one of four drugs for Ebola and then seeing which ones had the best outcomes. Six months into the study, one drug, remdesivir, there was only one drug found to actually have a death mortality of higher than 50% of all people that got the drug. And that was the remdesivir group. 53% of all people that got that drug died. It was the only drug that had a higher than 50% mortality or death rate. And the safety board on August 9th, 2019, suspended remdesivir from that trial and declared it was too toxic and too deadly. Imagine, so I'm reading this study and I'm like, why would this guy, Dr. Anthony Fauci on the NIH's website say, and then link to the study, why would he say it was found safe and effective against the Ebola virus? And in the same paragraph, include the link to the study that shows he's lying about it. So I wanted to know, Laura, Lynn, I wanted to know, 
how much did Anthony Fauci actually know about that drug? So I went to, back to the study to see who funded it. Who funded this Ebola trial, experimental drug trial? Imagine my shock that it was Anthony Fauci's department at the NIH who funded the whole thing. That means the Independent Safety Board reviewing all the data for the entire research study, looking at what drugs are doing and which ones are killing people, and which ones to take out of the study. They would have notified the funding sponsor of the research paper when they updated and changed which drugs could continue. That means Anthony Fauci would have been told in August of 2019 by the safety board, he would have received the email or the printed report that said, this drug has been suspended, it's toxic and too deadly. It's the only one that killed over 50% of all the people in the trial. Really, how, how did he just like 10 months later in May of 2020 declare on May 1st, this is a drug that was proven safe and effective in the Ebola trial. Here's the study, go look. This is how arrogant they are. They even posted the study knowing medical doctors wouldn't go read it. They would just trust that he's referencing a study that confirms his claim. Well, for me, I'm used to the medical profession lying to me 24 seven. So I actually wanted to go see what was the lie. <laughs> and sure enough, oh my God, it was so bold right in your face. And then I went and read the second study he hyperlinked, which just happened to be this is when I was so alarmed, Laura Lynn. December of 2019 is when the Ebola trial publishes its findings. And those findings do not include, the conclusions do not include that remdesivir was found safe and effective against Ebola. No, what they published was a drug called ZMAP, or sorry, MAB114, and a monoclonal antibody called Regeneron performed the best against Ebola. Isn't that interesting that they banned that from the United States, monoclonal antibodies, even though it was found to be the best against Ebola? If you're going to choose a drug for COVID based on that study, it was Regeneron, not Remdesivir. So imagine my shock that that publishes in December 2019, the very next month after this drug's published study for Remdesivir is found to be the most deadly and toxic in the Ebola trial. And that publishes and, get puts on, and gets put online in all the medical journals. Imagine my shock to find out January 2020, the very next month, the pandemic is declared. And then Anthony Fauci gives Gilead, the maker of remdesivir that was just found out to kill 53% of everybody in Africa. The very next month, January 2020, Gilead is allowed the maker of remdesivir to take 53 COVID-19 positive patients and pump their veins full of 10 days of remdesivir. For three months, they did this study. And what did they publish that was in this NIH memo in May of 2020? They published that 31% of everyone they gave that drug to who had COVID-19 within 10 days developed multiple organ failure, acute kidney failure, septic shock, and hypotension. And 8% of that 31% couldn't even take the drug the whole 10 days because multiple people's kidneys died and had to have kidney transplants as a result. That was the toxicity published about remdesivir treating COVID-19 patients by the maker of the drug. And that ran for three months. They published their findings at the end of March. And then two months later is when Anthony Fauci says, these two studies prove remdesivir is safe and effective against Ebola and COVID. Now it's the only one you can use in hospitals and we will punish anybody that uses any other drug. This is when I realized our government was also behind this genocidal plan called COVID-19 
in the hospital ICU concentration camps they were now modeling to genocide and euthanize many, many millions of people around the world. And then when our government, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, decided to give all hospitals and publish even today a 20% bonus payout to all people in America who are 60 years and older, they will pay the hospital 20% add-on bonus for the whole hospital stay if they'll just inject them with two five-day window periods of treatment with remdesivir, just in the elderly. Well, my question for you and all legislators this entire three years, when I show all legislators in every Capitol building everywhere, the thing that bothers them the most is when I show them the CMS.gov's information and their published literature that they will incentivize hospitals to use remdesivir. And my question always is, and so is the senators and legislators, they always wanna know, if the FDA and the NIH have only approved one drug to be allowed to treat patients with COVID, why is our government paying extra money to hospitals to use it? That doesn't seem like healthy resource uses of resources monetarily that our government has saved up. Why are we incentivizing hospitals to poison our elderly with a drug that causes and is published to cause multiple organ failure, kidney failure, septic shock, hypotension, causing acute emergency kidney transplants and killed 53% of people that got it in Africa. Why? And that's when they all start shaking their head just like you and they ask me, uh, why would they do this? Why would our government do this, Dr. Artis? And I'd go like this, why, why would, you tell me why they would do this. And they would all go, it seems very nefarious and evilly and evil intended. And I go like this, no, it's flat out murder. They're trying to kill off the elderly. <laughs> That's what they're doing. This is a mass culling. No different than what they did in the UK with midazolam and morphine and all the nursing homes that uh, they killed 40,000 people in March and April of 2020. And then the head coroner for the country told all the other coroners that when they go in these nursing homes, you have to call it COVID-19 death. And they all said, this isn't COVID-19 death. They weren't even sick. No, they just mass murdered them and then lied to the media. When I say to you, be careful. All of you guys think they're going to come out and be honest now about the origins of COVID. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'd be really, really shocked if they decide to be honest all of a sudden. They're not going to actually show their hand that they've been complicit. Trudeau's not going to do that. Canada's government's not going to do that. They're not going to let you know just how heinous, horrible, and evil they have been for the last three years. They're not going to admit to that. So they're going to provide some false narrative to blame it on somebody else. You watch. They're not going to own up to this and they should be held to it. You know, uh, Brian, um, JT was uh, reminding me that um, we had a bio lab in Winnipeg, Manitoba. We've never fully understood why a couple of people were escorted out of there. Like quite probably we played some role knowing our prime minister who's got his hands dirty in every level imaginable uh, that uh, something was being done in that lab. We've never had really the answers to any of that. And also, I've had a guest on here talking about that midazolam um, and how his mother was killed and she was fine. And then they literally killed her in the hospital with this cocktail of morphine and whatnot. So maybe not only through them using this remdesivir, which do you think that those were called COVID deaths if they die of a side yeah, effect yeah. of a tragic um, drug that it shouldn't be called a COVID death? 
No, it should be called uh, death by intoxication or poisoning from the drugs. Yeah. yeah. They are absolutely killing individuals with drugs. My father-in-law was killed with vancomycin and an overdose of morphine for four and a half hours. Morphine, like midazolam, paralyzes your nervous system and you can't contract your diaphragm to draw in air. It paralyzes your ability to breathe. And then it paralyzes at the same time your heart's ability to beat. So the more you introduce into the body, the heart's contraction slows down as it's being paralyzed. Your ability of your diaphragm to contract is slowing down and you will asphyxiate and die because you cannot breathe. That's what happens. So that's exactly what they did. Um, and so I just want you to know that my father-in-law, when he died, I, even though I even took the medical doctors through the x-rays while he was alive and was able to show them, they inaccurately diagnosed him with pneumonia. It wasn't pneumonia. He never even tested positive for, no, for pneumonia. And you can do a test to determine is it viral or bacterial pneumonia, but they never did that. I actually was able to prove to them and show them that it was pulmonary edema, water flooding in their lungs, drowning him to death from shutting down his kidneys. And then as they pump fluid into the kid or the person or the adult, as they pump fluids, they call IVs, into the body and you've shut down their kidneys, where's the water going to go? It fills up in your abdomen first, then into your lungs, and then into your heart, and then into your brain, and you will die or go unconscious first. And that's what they did to him. But do you know what they wrote on his death certificate when they overdosed him on morphine and killed him on day 10? They called it cause of death pneumonia. This is no different than what they did with COVID. They're killing people with remdesivir. They're killing them with midazolam, uh, Presidex, fentanyl, combination of cocktails of sedative drugs. That's how they kill you. I mean, they actually are murdering your loved one right in front of you, and they call it palliative care or hospice. This is not what that is. They're giving you slow administered sedation drugs that paralyze you, and your loved one's going to die right in front of you. This isn't palliative care or, or any kind of care. Now you got this MAID Act in Canada, seriously, where we can assist people to commit suicide? Really? You remember? I remember a guy named Dr. Kevorkian going to prison for helping people who were struggling to want to live, and he was helping assist them with suicide. You know what's interesting about that? He went to prison, but every hospital's getting paid bukus of billions of dollars to do the same thing to your loved one and my father-in-law. They're getting away with it everywhere. And, right. But they had to control it because Kevorkian was taking money from them. They have figured out how to now assist in suicide in the death of a loved one or a person, and then reap financial benefits from insurance payouts, uh, funds from the CARES Act here in America. It's all disgusting. I hate it. And now we're seeing all of these excess deaths uh, across the world. I mean, it's the killing fields, uh, killing the elderly, killing anyone that they possibly can get away with it, I think. And what is yeah. wrong? I, I was in the COVID ward with my dad. And um, my dad, they said they ha that he had COVID pneumonia. They told my brother he was shutting down. I spent 10 days with him, and he just bounced back like nothing. I couldn't trust the doctors for a second. I hated going home at night because who knew? There was this one particular nurse that uh, was actually quite frightening. And all, all of them seemed to have, like, they, they seemed to be sociopathic, actually. And so this, this is very sad. Our medical field, there is a spirit of death. I recently had a friend who was in there. He had a heart procedure done and he said he confronted the spirit of death while he was in there. And, he, and when he woke up, he had just enough to say to his wife, they tried to kill me. And he knew it. Like 
So, so we, we don't all feel very safe at all. If we've got to go to the hospital, no one's liking that idea much now. And we're also nope. concerned because they're still doing this gain of function. And apparently they can make viruses that could be a 56% rather than death rate, rather than a 1% death rate, which is what we got with COVID, which was truly a nothing burger, nothing more than a bad flu. It's just that they killed a lot of people with their protocols. Yeah, they knew whatever they were going to be spreading around the world that it wouldn't have a massive amount of death or casualties. So they came up with a way to create death so they could actually have something to substantiate their fear porn for the rest of the world that they were going to project into the media. So this is what I said from May of 2020. When I read the memo from Anthony Fauci, I hired a publicist and it sat at my dining room table for four months. I did 40 to 50 interviews on the media every day trying to educate people on the lies of this guy named Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, I had no idea that no one else had picked up on Remdesivir's claims or the story. All I knew was is I was very upset and angry at the medical profession for killing my father-in-law in a hospital and that institution getting away with it. And so I was trying my best to find a way that I could actually warn and protect people from experiencing the same loss, grief, and post-traumatic stress disorder at that point that I had encountered and my family had encountered in front of our faces by having our loved one killed in front of us. So the goal was never to be kind of a hero for people. I was just pissed. I was angry. I had like this righteous anger to try to protect all of you. And so I just started talking. I had no idea there were going to be groups of medical doctors and other healthcare professionals around the world and scientists who at the same time were collectively starting to organize to try to stand together. Yeah, there's a whole chapter in there from uh, on Remdesivir, actually. What's interesting about that book? Robert F. Kennedy, yeah. The entire book on Remdesivir, I think it's chapter three. The whole thing, whole chapter's on Remdesivir. It's funny, all of them are my quotes from stages. All <laughs> of them, every single thing is my quotes. It's in quotes, but it's funny. Uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. did not actually credit me with the quotes. He gave them to Ryan Cole, MD, which is quite funny because Ryan <laughs> Cole's never talked about remdesivir. And all these quotes are not his. It's quite funny. When I read it, I was like, He got the two of you mixed up. A little bit like, the as same. I'm yeah. Yeah, yeah. As I'm reading it, I'm like, wow, this is actually my whole quote as I'm reading one paragraph or another. And I'm like, wow. Ryan Cole, he doesn't talk about remdesivir. That's really funny. Anyway, oh, it's quite funny. Yeah. But anyway, that book will explain a lot of uh, what I just conveyed here in this uh in this actual interview and what I've done around the world, but it has been a very, very interesting opportunity actually for me to be voicing my frustration with the medical profession and to stay out of hospitals. Don't go there. Like my father-in-law did not for COVID, not for any reason. I had no idea that that message was actually then being shared with a whole bunch of medical doctors and they were being forced to look to see if my message was accurate. Uh, Laura Lynn, you, you've been around me and other docs on this whole movement. Uh, about two months ago, I was in a St. Louis event. It was just 30 medical doctors. I was there, asked to speak first. And at lunchtime, they wanted to do a photo op. And they asked us all to line up on the stages. And it's still odd to me to hear this stuff. But uh, I think God's put us in positions that we could stand for people, even if we don't recognize what the benefits may have been or the gravity of how much influence we've been able to have on the world. I mean, you're just talking and trying to educate and inspire people. But when you have people, 30 medical doctors standing around you and a pediatric neurosurgeon looking up at you that you've never met before. She looks up at me. She's standing in front of me for this picture. And she says, uh, Dr. Artis, uh, this is the first time I've ever gotten to meet you. But I, I want to say to you, 
do you know or ask you, do you know how many hundreds, if not thousands, but how many millions of lives around the world you personally saved? And I just looked down at her. Now, Peter McCullough is standing right next to her, right in front of me. And I went just like this, God, I hope so. But no, I'll never know how many people I influenced. I can't meet them all. But uh, I have heard I many, many have. people credit, credit that information. And I say, God, I hope we were able to save some when I wasn't able to save my father-in-law. And then Peter looks at this, this doctor and goes, this neurosurgeon, and goes, hey, do you know when the entire narrative of COVID changed? It's when he started speaking out because it forced all of us in May, June, and July of 2020 to go see if he was right about remdesivir and the hospital protocol. And when we realized he was right, that's when you saw the massive shifting of doctors creating telemedicine all around the country and all around the world, trying to keep people at home to help them. And it was a, a very interesting moment. I looked at Peter and I said, uh, well, I appreciate you saying that, Peter. <laughs> Thanks. But I didn't know. It's, it's really cool to, to be able to have people that can uh, stand arm in arm with you and just recognize you're just you're doing your best to try to save lives. But I say it all the time. I cannot believe there's even one medical doctor that I will stand on the stage with because I was committed originally in May of 2020 from February through May of 2020. If I'd have ever been interviewed again in the rest of my life ever for any reason, I would have told you to never, ever, ever, ever trust anything that comes out of a medical doctor's mouth. And I would have been screaming that from the rooftops for the rest of my life. And I do say it right now in front of everybody up on stages with doctors all around the world. I'm on stages all the time. And I actually will look at the audiences and say, thank God for the likes of Dr. Ben Marble. Thanks for Dr. Richard Bartlett. Thanks for Dr. Peter McCullough. Thanks for Dr. Zev Zelenko, who all asked me to join them. They actually contacted me to help bring people and keep them out of hospitals and promote their telemedicine stuff in the very beginning. And I remember being very shocked by that because my messaging wasn't kind about the medical profession. It was trying to warn you to stay home. And it has been a great honor to see that there have been like-minded, God-fearing, uh, human-respecting human beings who recognized the atrocities that were coming up. And there were a few people I was blown away by. I mean, I was yapping for six or seven months by the time I heard of Pierre Corey ever for the first time talking about ivermectin, talking about corticosteroids in May of 2020, which I saw later. But this was phenomenal to see that other human beings had, had seen the problem that was being forced on the medical profession to follow a protocol that was inept and dangerous. And I actually applaud them for standing there, regardless of how they see each other now or if we see each other now. It was a great effort up front by a whole bunch of us independently and then coming together to try to save lives. And I really do hope that was everybody's intention. Uh, but I'm relentless in my efforts to make sure you're warned about all the lies, the medical profession, the pharmaceutical industries and the health agencies and governments around the world in the way of health are proposing to you. Uh, Canada, no. just know. Worldwide, just know. Uh, you're all being lied to about vaccines. They're not safe and effective and they're not beneficial. Don't ever trust another one. I don't even know yeah. how you would. Don't. I haven't for 20 something years, so don't. You you are absolutely a hero in the United States. Uh, I've been there when you've been amongst crowds of thousands and you get a standing ovation and you are well loved and well appreciated. And to have the likes of Dr. Peter McCullough just be so grateful for the work you've done. Um, I mean, I consider it an honor that you grace us with your uh, wisdom and knowledge and all that you've found. I don't know if you have uh, much more time, um, but I do know that you've been able to relate 
um, the, the way that venom, the properties of venom, with the way that this, um, this COVID-19 has responded, as well as the vaccines. And uh, when we've had you on before, I want you to know I've had plenty of people write me and, and they've used the gum, the, uh, the nicotine. nicotine gum, and uh, it's taken away long COVID, like a long cough that somebody just couldn't get rid of. Uh, and I wish that I'd read the box because when I tried nicotine gum, I, I was uh, I was all down. And uh, so I took a whole gum and I chewed it like a spearmint. And then I was pretty sick for three hours. So I learned my lesson, yep. Dr. Artis. Just got to do a little bit. Don't do very much. Yep. Yeah. Very little. And then you just kind of chew it, everyone. So so the, the weird thing about nicotine is that it is a, um, it, it sort of stops venom, right? Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I actually was applauded <laughs> as the remdesivir guy worldwide for about a year and a half. And then when I discovered that the origins of COVID were actually identified in China in January of 2020, and then in April in France of 2020, then in Italy of 2020 in June, six months into the pandemic, when I realized all these three countries all determined and published that COVID-19 is nothing but originating from snake venom, all three of these countries confirmed that and then confirmed the spike protein, not the virus, They've never said the virus is deadly. It's only the spike protein that supposedly is the gain of function part of this whole thing. Uh, you mentioned earlier about a virus now can be made to be more deadly, increasing right. its deadly potency by 50% up to 80%. That was done by a university in Boston. And every time people would send me that stuff, I'd go, this is, this is what they call gain of function, right? How they can make a SARS-CoV-2 more deadly. I said, but just notice, read the article. It doesn't say anything about the virus. They said all they did was replace the spike protein with another spike protein. Spike proteins were identified to be venom, peptides, little short proteins of venom. And in Italy, in June of 2020, they published that in the blood and feces of every COVID-19 positive patient, there wasn't just one spike protein venom. There wasn't two spike protein venoms. Like the French study in April of 2020 confirmed, which was king cobra venom and crepe venom called bungarotoxin. The Italy study two months later in June of 2020 confirmed they found 36 different animal venoms in COVID-19 patients in their blood and in their feces. 20 different snake venom peptides, little short proteins of venom that do different things in the human body, which are every side effect of COVID-19 period. And then they found 16 different shellfish creatures in the ocean's venom in the blood and feces of every COVID-19 positive patient. And they didn't find any animal venoms in any of the negative group uh, that did not have COVID. It didn't PCR test positive for COVID. So uh, they were publishing this stuff. The world just wasn't paying attention, unfortunately. So venom, these venom peptides, they all target a specific receptor in the body that leads to all COVID symptoms, long hauler COVID symptoms and vaccine injured. It's all venom based no matter what they're lying to you and publishing in the documents and research articles and papers online, it's actually all venom based. I've got enough documents to support that and show you. What I learned from the April 2020 study was when they identified King Cobra venom and uh, crate venom were the spike proteins, they published in that paper, they cross the blood brain barrier and bind to what are called nicotine receptors, alpha seven nicotinic acetylcholine receptors to be specific. And they said these venom peptides will cross the blood-brain barrier, hit these receptors in your brainstem, 
that control respiration. Just like I explained with midazolam and morphine, they paralyze, venoms do, they paralyze the animal or mammal's ability to breathe by paralyzing their diaphragm and their heart from beating. And that's what venoms do. They just stop everything from working and functioning. That's their job. What they published in April of 2020 was that this fits the narrative finally for them and explains why smokers are the least likely hospitalized and dying from COVID in April of 2020. That was only four months into this pandemic and they were all still shocked, scientists were, that smokers weren't ending up in hospitals. They were the lowest group of people showing up in hospitals. And they said 95% of all hospitalized COVID-19 patients they expected worldwide would be smokers when the pandemic was declared. When they said it was a respiratory virus, a deadly one, they all said smokers are gonna be just showing up in droves in all of our hospitals because they already have diseased lungs. They're gonna be inhaling a virus and they're all gonna get really sick. But that's not what we've seen. Three years later, it's less than 2% worldwide of smokers ever were hospitalized or died from COVID. It's still in the 1% range. It's incredible. They knew then that nicotine had a positive side effect and was helping benefit those who were not getting COVID and were smokers. And so then they stated this in there. And then they stated every government around the world in April of 2020 needs to start doing funded research that the governments fund looking at nicotine patches, nicotine gums, and any nicotine agents to be protective against COVID. And Laura Lynn, in that actual paper in April of 2020, it says, interestingly, we're hearing reports around the world four months into the pandemic that there's this drug called ivermectin that is stopping SARS-CoV-2 disease processes, like stopping it cold turkey. And they said, what's interesting about ivermectin is, this is their words, it is an, a positive allosteric modulator of alpha-7 nicotine receptors. They actually say it. It binds to the same receptors nicotine do, does. This is why it's protective against venoms they call COVID. Well, every single long hauler symptom, I'm just gonna tell you right now, it's, it's incredible to me the lies that have been perpetrated. When I released the Watch the Water documentary and said, look, scientists know nicotine is an antidote. It should be the number one antidote everybody's looking at. I cannot tell you how rewarding it has been to see hundreds of thousands of people physically walk up to me every week and tell me all my long hauler symptoms disappeared after I chewed the nicotine gum or wore the pouch or sucked on a patch or sorry, a pouch or wore a patch of nicotine. Just within 45 minutes, my taste and smell was returned. I cannot tell you how many thousands and thousands of people have told me that. No taste or smell for two years, all back in three days or less, just with nicotine. Oh, it's brilliant and amazing. I love it. And the whole principle behind, behind why it works is that's what nicotine does. Your, bo your body was created by God and every cell in your body, Laura Lynn, has nicotine receptors. Venoms target nicotinic acetylcholine receptors, nicotine receptors. So do venoms. This is why nicotine, which is found in plants God put on this earth. And did you know nicotine's in tomatoes and potatoes, for example? It's in vegetables. So nicotine is in our foods that God created. Nicotine receptors are in your body, God created. And every cell in your body has them. Venoms turn off nicotine receptors and stop the cell from functioning, which is exactly what the venom peptides called spike proteins are doing. 
they're hitting these nicotine receptors and they're called antagonistic. They shut off the cell's function. Okay, so that's what it does. It shuts off the function. If you have nerves in your mouth that control taste and that's their function, when venom hits them, it shuts off your ability to taste when it hits the nicotine receptor on that nerve. If you have a sensory nerve that controls smell, when the venom gets on those nicotine receptors on those nerves, it shuts off its function and you can't smell. When you have tinnitus going on in your ears, the venom hits the nicotine receptors on there and shuts off the hearing function. And you get these weird echoes, hums, weird sounds. When it goes into your brain, your frontal cortex, you'll have brain fog, confusion, uh, paranoia, hallucinations, delusions, depression, you name it, which we all saw during COVID. That's exactly what it is. It actually hits those nerves and shuts off their function, even to affect memory and all kinds of stuff and motor How function. How much should we take? I know it helped your Nick wife, Jane, as well. You had a personal story with that. But mm -hmm. so if we get, uh, if we go and get, you know, a packet of nicotine, which I did, I was kind of guessing. And uh, so, so how much would you suggest would be helpful? Because lots of people still struggling. Yeah. So this is what I recommend. Uh, back in November of this last year, Joe Biden said 100 million Americans are going to get COVID by the end of March. And I was like this, not me or my kids. So I went and bought 14 milligram patches of nicotine gum or nicotine patches, and I cut them into six pieces. And that made them about two and a half milligrams of nicotine. And then I wear one every day on my side, on my ribs, actually, one on my left side one day. Then I'll take it off tomorrow and put another one on the left, on the right side. And I'm doing this every day until this pandemic is over. And that was just to prevent me from ever getting a symptom from whatever they're unleashing on the planet, which for sure, in my opinion, is all venom-based, these spike proteins. And then, uh, so this is what I would say. You wanna start out very slow. Uh, Laura Lynn, when I first tried nicotine gum, a two milligram tablet, they come in two milligrams or four milligrams. I when I chewed the two milligram, within 30 minutes, I was vomiting in the toilet. I, I mean, I had so much venom so probably sick. in my body. I was just so sick. So what I did was, is I then chose to use the patch to skip the gut and just put it on my skin and get the nicotine directly into my bloodstream. I've never had an issue, it's been awesome. I would not do more than two to three milligram patches, just cut them into little pieces. They come in seven, 14 and 21 sizes, milligrams. Just pick one and cut it up to two to three milligram sizes and wear one every day. If you're gonna do nicotine gum, my wife, for example, two years, no taste and smell at all. And then she had, what's called POTS. When you change positions, you would get real swirly and feel like you're gonna faint, like when I saw you in San Diego, I think it was. Oh. Remember how fainty you were? Yep. That's how my wife, six months. Terrible tinnitus and ringing in her ears. And she, uh, in three days of chewing two milligram tablets of gum. <laughs> I mean, I knew she had venom in her to cause all of her symptoms from long hauler COVID. I had tried every single supplement you could think of for two years. I'm a nutritionist. We tried dietary stuff. We tried it. Nothing worked. Not until she chewed nicotine gum. And on day three, she would chew them for 10 minutes a piece, two milligram tablets and spit them out just for 10 minutes. She did it four times a day. By day three, all of her taste, all of her smell and all of her hearing and tinnitus cleared up and her pot swirling symptoms, all of it disappeared by day three. For two years, she dealt with those symptoms. So this was the one of the miraculousnesses of nicotine. Now she chews it every day. Do you know what's weird? She knew she had venom inside of her, and so did I. 
Do you know she's never felt sick once? Never got nauseous, never got pukey. It's the weirdest thing because I got pukey and I didn't have any symptoms. So if I was going to continue the gum, what I did is I took the two milligram gum that I first had, I cut it in half and then I cut it that half and half, which makes it a quarter. And I chewed that and then I didn't feel nauseous, I do. which is why I'm just going to tell right. you right now, depending on how much venom's in your body, you're going to have a reaction or no reaction or little reaction. Your intestines are 13 meters long. They are completely lined with nicotine receptors. If you've had COVID go into your body, which you all have, and you have any of those venom spike proteins attached to those nicotine receptors, when you chew the nicotine gum or swallow a tobacco product you're chomping on, it's gonna go into your intestines and the nicotine receptors that God put in there are gonna let go of venom and grab nicotine. Now you're going to have all this venom floating around inside your intestines. How do you think the body is going to perceive venom floating around in your intestines? It's going to recognize it as a poison. What does the body do with poisons in your stomach or your intestines? What does it do? Get rid of it. God created nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea for a reason. Your body is going to purge all of the venoms right out of your body almost instantaneously, you're gonna feel it. So you want to reduce the dosing down to where you're releasing little bits of venom, not all at once, because you're gonna get very sick. It's kind of like a parasite cleanse. No one has ever said, you should take as much ivermectin as possible to kill all the worms at once. No, you're gonna seizure out, go into a coma, because there's so much toxins being destroyed and released in your body from the parasites. You don't do that. You kill off the parasites slowly and cyclically like five days of treatment, five days off of treatment, five days on, do that for three to six months. You need to look at it this way. You need to take it slowly and let the body as symptom free as possible, purge and release the venoms as you use nicotine. So for me, uh, it will be a staple forevermore. Uh, nicotine is the antidote. And just so you know, every single virus, all of them, flus, coronaviruses, I did not know this until this year, they all target and bind to nicotinic acetylcholine receptors, and that's why you get sick. You're going to start to realize why it is Canada, England, America, Australia, New Zealand, all right now are attacking supplies and reducing supplies available to the citizens of those countries of nicotine. Every single country is going after tobacco products and nicotine specifically. And imagine the lies I've learned even recently about nicotine. Did you know nicotine's not even addictive? Did you know Harvard in 2015 went into documents from the tobacco industry to find out why it was in their own studies, they couldn't reproduce nicotine to be addictive with animals. So they went into tobacco industry's documents in the 60s, 70s and 80s to find out what did they do to make nicotine and tobacco addictive? Well, they published their findings in 2015. What they found was the tobacco industry knew tobacco and nicotine weren't addictive enough at all to get people to keep buying their product every day. And they found they could add a chemical to the tobacco and to nicotine that's called pyrazines, P-Y-R-A-Z-I-N-E-S. That made the nicotine and the tobacco very addictive, which is very interesting. You've all been sold an idea that nicotine's addictive. It isn't unless they add pyrazines to it. And uh, I absolutely am convinced they're using an all-out assault. All these governments all at once are conspiring to restrict 
the amount of nicotine products to get access to you and then scare all of you that you should quit smoking. They're lying to you when they say smokers are at the highest risk for COVID. Why would they want you to quit smoking? They want you to get sick. If you don't get sick, you won't sign up for their vaccine agenda. So smoking, uh, I'm not everyone. telling you to go smoke. I'm just telling you they're lying to you. I do not ever tell anybody to go smoke. I do not agree with that. I don't even like it. But there are plants God put on this earth that have nicotine in them. And then he created you with nicotine inside of you, receptors to receive the nicotine to turn your cells back on. And do you know they use nicotine in studies to reverse schizophrenia, hallucinations, depression, memory, Parkinson's, uh, MS, brain cancers. Did you know they use nicotine in studies to do all that? No. You know, nicotine improves cognitive function. How many people are struggling with cognitive impairment since COVID or the vaccines? Why do you think the governments around the world are having a massive assault on nicotine? Listen, Laura Lynn, do you believe the governments wanted you to sign up for the vaccine of COVID-19 because they were worried about your health? No. Do you believe it? No. Do you genuinely believe, Laura Lynn, and those in Canada and America and around the world who are fans of yours, do you believe that the government was out for your best interest because they cared so much about your health Definitely that they, they, they were so worried about your health. They even, they even told you, you couldn't keep your job unless you got their shot. Are you convinced that they were doing that because out of the goodness of their hearts, they love humanity. 100%. And if that is not true for you, I want you to ask yourself, why did they lock us down, mandate that we do certain things or not be allowed to do certain things, keep our jobs, travel, go to weddings in Canada? I couldn't even go to my own niece, niece's wedding because I wouldn't get a vaccine to go into Canada last year. Do you really think the governments are doing this because they love you? And if they're not, then I would like you to ask yourself this. If that's not true for the vaccine agenda, why is it this year all six countries, England, United States, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, France, why are they all restricting access of nicotine products and then telling you it's because they're worried about their citizens' health? Why would you believe them in that narrative and know for sure in your heart it was not the same truth when it came to the vaccine agenda? They're both supposedly health issues and they're forcing one down your throat and you believe that's a conspiratorial, nefarious, evil, uh, it, it is. This, at the same time, they are now trying to take something away from you and not allowing access to that product. And they're telling you it's for your health and for your benefit. When in reality, all along, they knew it was the antidote the whole time. Do you think, uh, Dr. Artis, then that nicotine might be helpful uh, for getting the spike protein out of your body that was in the vaccine? that you took the vaccine for, you know, the reasons you did, not knowing and understanding. Um, do you think that it could be helpful for our loved ones that have taken the vaccine? Absolutely. Yep. We're actually working with a group of uh, about 60 vaccine injured who are paralyzed right now from the COVID-19 vaccines. And nicotine is a part of what we're suggesting to them to either opt in or out of to use. Nicotine will release the venom off any receptors in your body. And then there are other things we utilize at the exact same time that when the venom gets released, we don't want it being bound to another cell and another organ to cause some other symptom. For example, if it's in your brain and you're paralyzed and then we release the venom and you can now walk 
We don't want the venom going from your spine into your bloodstream and then get inside your pancreas because if it binds to the cells in your pancreas, you now went from being a paralytic person who can't walk, who now can walk, but now can't make insulin because the venom's now bound to beta cells in your pancreas that release insulin. So if you understand this principle, they actually will stay in the body for 10 years if you don't detoxify the venom out of you. It'll just sit there and circulate in all your tissues. So these are the things we are suggesting people should consider. And everyone watching this program, if you've been injured, you can ask your healthcare professionals if this is true or not, or go get on your knees and pray and ask God if I'm telling you the truth and if this truth will work for you and you should implement it. But every single one of you should be doing something. You should be having a nicotine product of some sort to release the venoms. And then you need something that will destroy the venom circulating in your body. And there's a couple things that do it. Food grade hydrogen peroxide totally destroys venom. It actually breaks it apart. Then you got these little bitty pieces of venom. They actually, hydrogen peroxide breaks the disulfide bonds of venom. So does ozone's, ozone therapy. So does, um, sorry, ozone, hydrogen peroxide. And then you want something to bind to the venoms that have now been broken apart and are less toxic. And we prefer bentonite clay. You actually take an eighth of a teaspoon or quarter of a teaspoon of bentonite clay, B-E-N-T-O-N-I-T-E, and add that to water, six to eight ounces of water, and drink that twice a day. Bentonite clay binds to venoms. There's other things that bind to venom so your body can carry it out of your body. Bentonite so clay will helpful. do it. Yeah, a lot Licorice of people are so concerned, right, about, about yeah. their loved ones or themselves sure. if they've Lic taken the vaccine, which none of us have, but... Yeah, so we're working on trying to save these people's lives that have been intentionally harmed. Uh, licorice root will actually bind to them too. And when you're looking at licorice root products, whether it's a licorice root tea, licorice root supplement, make sure you look at the supplement facts panel on the back. You want to see an abbreviation, the, the initials GL. That stands for glycerohynic acid or glycerohysic acid. Uh, that's a component of licorice root that will bind and is proven to bind to the venoms they call spike proteins in the COVID-19 narrative and in the vaccines and if a snake bit you. So licorice root, glycerohynic acid will do it. Macuna prurines is a plant extract that will do it also, will bind to the venoms. Ashwagandha is a herb that is published to be an antidote to venoms. And it will actually bind to bungarotoxin, will bind to, which is crate venom, found to be the spike protein of COVID, actually declared the origin of COVID in China in January of 2020. That was published to bind perfectly ashwagandha to bungarotoxin so the body can deplete it and get it out of you. So these are some of the basic principles. And then I'm going to say this, those of you who have received the COVID-19 vaccines, there are two people that are credited with making them. They're called, their names are Drew Wiseman and Cataline Carrico at the University of Pennsylvania. Cataline Carrico, K-A-T-I-L-I-N, K-A-R-I-K-O, and Drew Weissman, W-E-I-S-S-M-A-N. In their research papers to make the mRNA gene therapy vaccines for COVID, every research paper from 2009, they have included in their recipe, they include something called snake venom phosphodiesterase. And it is those three words in order in all their papers, snake venom phosphodiesterase. So when I said I'm worried there's venom in these COVID-19 shots, it's because it's in their recipe of the people who made it. 
So go look at their paper since 2009, funded by Anthony Fauci alone in his department at the NIH. Snake venom phosphodiesterase that these researchers are using to make mRNA COVID shots and all kinds of gene shots like the new mRNA flu shot they want to come out with. They're all going to have snake venom in it. All of them. That's what they use in gene research. They disclose the people who manufacture snake venom phosphodiesterase that I'm banking my entire life on is in these shots, causing all the harms you're seeing. They've published, the people that make that stuff and sell it to these researchers making these vaccines, they state you can't mix snake venom phosphodiesterase that they source from rattlesnake venom, by the way. It says to the buyers, you can't mix this with glutathione, vitamin C, or N-acetylcysteine, or EDTA, because it will be completely destroyed by these four substances. Well, Laura Lynn, they just told you what the fix is. If you inject that inside of you, you better be supplementing glutathione, NAC, vitamin C, and EDTA. Why would you hesitate for a second? That's what they publish, and it just fits in line with, it was just amazing. NAC and vitamin C has been a major part of what we've been saying the whole COVID time would help you with COVID. Well, it just so happens vitamin C by itself is inhibitory to all venoms and helps to destroy venom in the human body, even from snakes, cone snails, starfish venoms, marine snail venoms, you name it. And I'll just say this here. Have, have you had any people in Canada in the last 30 years be diagnosed with HIV and AIDS? Have y'all had anybody do that in Canada? Or is Canada free of HIV and AIDS? I think we, we have some. You think we have some? All right. So in, in America, there's some. There's been a whole bunch of them. Anthony Fauci was a part of that declared epidemic, pandemic, HIV, AIDS. I want to explain the similarities here. HIV was declared to be a virus that if people got, particularly homosexuals and African-Americans, they said, you will get HIV virus. It will eventually cause so much harm in your body and destruction, you will develop what's called AIDS. (laughs) AIDS is the disease they said was going to kill the HIV patient. And then there was a proposed life-saving drug for these people called AZT that Anthony Fauci said everybody needs to take to solve the mystery of HIV. It's going to save you from dying from AIDS. All right. Well, the truth is AZT ended up killing 11 million people. But what did they call their deaths? They didn't call it death by AZT. What did the death certificate say? They died of AIDS. No, this is the same lie. 20, 30 years later, now you've got or 40 years later, actually, you got Anthony Fauci declaring another time, there's this virus we call SARS-CoV-2 instead of HIV, and it creates a disease called COVID-19. But we have a solution for you. It's either remdesivir or this vaccine. Okay, I want to make sure this is very clear for the world. Do you know where AZT was made from? Do you know what it's made from? The drug that killed 11 million people. And Anthony Fauci told the whole world is going to save you from dying from AIDS. Every single symptom described of living with AIDS is a published side effect of the drug they were taking called AZT. AZT is made from the venom of a marine sponge in the ocean. Do you want to know why that venom called AZT killed 11 million people venom's toxic and deadly this is no different than what you're experiencing right now they unleashed venom synthetic peptides all over the world 
and your air, water, food, you drank it, you ate it, and you got sick. You actually drank this disease. I'm convinced you didn't inhale it. You swallowed it. That's how it got into your gut and then got into your intestines and led to all these symptoms people had with COVID. That's how they did it. And then what would have been the solution? More venom, just like with HIV and AIDS. And, uh, and if you don't know this yet, it's pretty crazy. When I say COVID-19 is venom peptides, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, the spike proteins are venoms. Do you know what HIV-1's glycoprotein is? Glycoprotein is the spike protein on HIV. Do you know I found a 2017 paper? <laughs> I couldn't believe this, just a few months ago. Do you know HIV-1's glycoprotein they publish is identical to snake venom components? Isn't that weird? Why would HIV that came from a monkey, why would it be identical in evolutionary origin is what they say. It's identical in its evolutionary origin to snake venom components. The word is homologous. All right, people, just recognize they're using venom around the world and they're calling it viruses and they're making you sick. And then they propose other venomous deadly toxins as a drug and a savior to be injected inside of you to save you. No, no. There was a genocide attempt to lie to a whole bunch of homosexuals and African-Americans. It was a euthanizing project. It was a eugenics project, was the HIV AIDS narrative. Seriously, if you wanna know why Magic Johnson is still alive, he didn't take AZT, he wouldn't do it. And he's still alive, oh my God, and has HIV supposedly. How has he lived 40 years, totally healthy, he just refused AZT, really. This is what happens when you refuse to put venom inside of your body. And everybody from here on out, you should ask your medical doctors. Every time they offer a vaccine in the future, you should ask them if it's a flu shot, hepatitis B shot, hepatitis C shot, measles shot, HIV. It doesn't matter. Flu, common cold. It doesn't matter. Laura Lynn, they will all be in the future venom-based vaccines. All of them. They're already patented for all of them to be venom-based. In fact, they right now have a, you know what a cold sore and fever blister is? Do you know they now have a patent from scorpion venom to be injected into people as a vaccine to stop fever, fever blisters and cold sores? It's called herpes simplex one virus. They now say we need to be vaccinated with scorpion venom as a protection against that virus. Uh, venoms are the basis for all antiviral drugs now and moving forward and have been. You just didn't know that. So stay tuned and stay educated. I'm at thedoctorartistshow.com. You can actually follow all my stuff. I'm showing the whole world all this information. But uh, it's pretty disgusting. This is a replay of what they did with HIV just on a global scale. Instead of just targeting homosexuals and blacks, which they did, they are now targeting all of the elderly, the pregnant. And then, of course, there's too many people on the planet, so we'll just sift through a whole bunch of them. Even the working class, children, adolescents, you name it. So with the remdesivir protocols, midazolam, nursing home protocols, and a lot of the British countries, uh, unfortunately, that was a uh, an attempt to mass murder a whole bunch of elderly that they consider to be these elitists, considered to be nothing more than uh, people that are using up resources on the planet and helping to destroy the planet faster without providing benefit to society. So they have to cull that herd, they believe. That's really all that COVID was. They're going after everybody now. And they needed to, they needed something to create infertility in the pregnant women because they believe there's too many. So now you see things like 90% in Canada of those vaccinated that were pregnant lost their babies. 84% worldwide lost their babies in every trimester when they received the COVID-19 vaccine during pregnancy. And I can actually prove and have proven to multiple OBGYNs from research papers 
how they know to do that with venom. There's an aspect of a snake's venom called L-amino acid oxidase. And there is a test to see if it's in your body. L-amino acid oxidase assay test. If you or a loved one lost a pregnancy during COVID-19 after receiving the vaccine while pregnant, anywhere in Canada, America, anywhere in the world, tell your OBGYN to order a L-amino acid oxidase test. You can do it with a urine sample or a blood sample. If they find L-amino acid oxidase levels are elevated, you'll never be able to maintain a pregnancy. In fact, I believe this is how they're creating infertility in people with the vaccine agenda already for the like Gardasil shots, the the human papilloma virus that they're giving teenagers in middle school and high school. I believe they've already been using these to create infertility because they're, they're trying to depopulate the planet and stop production of more babies around the world. And they know that this one substance can do it and they use it from snake venom and they actually propose it is an antiviral agent and should be used as a vaccine. It's in their published literature. I've been showing people nonstop. So be warned, stay away from vaccines. Do not trust pharmaceutical industries products anymore. Stay away from them. 100%. Um, somebody's asking if uh, you think that the um, the nicotine gum might help to help someone who's now having a problem getting pregnant. Kind of a strange question, but do you think? Oh, yeah. I, I would use nicotine. Just remember, the nicotine needs to be, is there to release venom off of cells in your body. That's all it is. God designed these receptors on every cell to have the highest binding affinity for nicotine. So if in your brain and spinal cord, you have what's called cerebral spinal fluid, if there is venom, if there is ivermectin or nicotine floating around in that material, the body's only gonna grab nicotine and venom won't bind and ivermectin won't bind. If ivermectin is in the body and then you put nicotine in the, in the body, the body's gonna let go of ivermectin and grab nicotine. It has the highest affinity and design to perfectly hold on to nicotine to turn on those cells. And your loved ones, if they are cannot get pregnant, I would absolutely recommend nicotine. I would do it. But for sure, you need to get the venom out of their body. So you would use vitamin C, NAC, glutathione, EDTA, bentonite clay to bind to it, food grade hydrogen peroxide to destroy it, and help you carry that out of the body. Those are just some of those things you should use. You're so amazing. You're so amazing. I'm so grateful. We have a huge audience. Uh, I'm like, can we just keep talking to him for hours? Um, Dr. Artis, so you do do uh, one show a week, and everybody should be paying attention to that because you can see Dr. Artis every week, the drartistshow.com, which we've been putting up uh, your website. And do you sell products? People want to know, are you selling the products that you're like – because sometimes you just want to get it in a package, you know, but. Yeah, right. there, we're actually, we do have products on the site, the drartistshow.com. You can actually, from the ones I just listed, I've carried this whole time uh, during COVID, our own NAC product, N-acetylcysteine, which was one of the products I mentioned. We do have our own vitamin C and selenium. Those three in combination, those three products help the liver make glutathione so that I don't provide a glutathione supplement. I know the body knows how to make it. Uh, we are currently right now manufacturing and should have ready in the next few weeks our own EDTA product. And the only reason why I'm releasing that is because when I started talking about EDTA from the research papers on snake venom and how it destroys venom, uh, then 
everywhere around the country was sold out within like a month. So people were all begging me and writing in and emailing me going, I can't find EDTA. So I contacted my manufacturers. We've sourced it and we're actually making our own here very soon, the next week or two. And then I want to make sure you're aware of this. There are products there. Go check them out. I also have Doc's Viral Defense, which is a combination of five ingredients only to keep you from getting a virus ever again in your whole life. And then we just released a children's multivitamin for kids. It's all natural. I've worked on for a year and a half. That's exciting. But uh, one thing I'm very excited about, and I might as well just tell your audiences if they're interested, people do seem to react very well most of the time, almost every time when I'm doing presentations and speaking on protocols and the why I suggest them. So I sent out a survey to all of my audiences yesterday, and I wanted to know, do they really value all the content I'm creating? Because Laura Lynn, this COVID-19 narrative is about to end. I mean, it has to come to an end. And it's going to end supposedly in America in May is when the emergency ends. Well, I have been constantly thinking, how can I do a great job for people around the world who have already established some trust in me that I can help them navigate health beyond COVID? So in the next two months, I will be releasing what's called the Artist Club Experience. And this is going to be a fee-based thing. It's going to be a small fee of some sort. And I'm going to be holding meetings online every other week and producing protocols for everything you can think of, all natural protocols. And they won't be super extensive. There'll be things like this. Uh, if you struggle with gout, these are the four things you should consider and why. It will also include dietary things. We're actually going to bring in a chef to create recipes and smoothies for these groups of people to keep them healthy. I mean, we're going to try to cover everything we can. We also have a pharmacist that's coming on board who wants to leave pharmacy, who is a PhD, and she wants to help me continue to destroy and expose the horrific published side effects of drugs and navigate and direct people to all natural therapies and why. And she has been uh, super motivated by what we've been doing. So she'll be a part of that experience with us. And that will be launched here in the next two months. And so I've just been feeling that that with my audiences. If that's something that would be worthwhile to me to spend time doing. Sign and, oh, up. my God, here we go. And at the end of the year, what we're going to do is we're going to create a book that's going to have everything we've talked about and presented all year long and the protocols and then ship them to you. And you will physically have it. It's going to be awesome, man. I cannot wait. It's going to be very You should sad. tell your story in your book, right? Make like Tell your personal cool. story as well, like with whatever you put in there. Uh, you're so Actually, you're we're so just going to show your interviews. We're just going to yeah. show your interviews. That's going to be the video. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, I love it. And okay, one just one final question, really quick. Opioids. Uh, you know, we have an opioid crisis, and it's it's going to the receptors of people, right? And so there, we're having record numbers of deaths. Um, any advice on that? Like, can you see any correlation or something that would help to stop that? horrible attachment to people's brains. Yeah, there's a few things I would personally recommend right now. It would be the 35% food grade hydrogen peroxide. And for those of you who don't know how to use it, I'll just spell it out for you real quick here. You only use three drops. And I'm not talking about the brown bottle hydrogen peroxide at your pharmacy or grocery store. No, 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 do not drink that, it's toxic. It's called 35% food grade hydrogen peroxide. The stuff you see in the stores is 3%. What I'm telling you is, 10 times more potent than that stuff and concentrated. And all you need are three drops in a six to eight ounces glass of water three times a day. And you preferably use distilled water and you drink it an hour before you put anything else in your mouth three times a day. I would use 
35% food grade hydrogen peroxide, three drops a day for the first day. Every day you go up by one drop daily. So you go after day, first day, it's three drops, three times a day in distilled water, six to eight ounces, an hour before you eat anything. The next day it's four drops, three times a day. The next day it's five drops, three times a day. The next day, six drops, three times a day, an hour before you eat anything. Once you get to 25 drops, you don't keep going. At 25 drops, you start going backwards. 24, 23, 22, 21, back down to three, and that's your maintenance dose. You stay at three drops three times a day. If you don't like the taste, because I'm hoping a whole lot of people do this when I tell them this, if you don't like the taste, you can put it in aloe vera water or watermelon juice, nothing else. Aloe vera water or watermelon juice. And you can take it that way if you can't tolerate the distilled water and, or tasting it. I would use hydrogen peroxide, then bentonite clay, B-E-N-T-O-N-I-T-E, the way I explained it earlier, eighth of a teaspoon and six to eight ounces of water twice a day. And then please get on EDTA. And you want to be doing at least a thousand milligrams a day of EDTA, which is a heavy metal chelator and a detoxer of venoms, and it helps to detox drugs. So when you use that, though, an hour after you supplement it with your meals, EDTA, you should be taking a trace minerals supplement. EDTA will help remove toxins, venoms, and metals. Metals are minerals like magnesium, zinc, and iron. If you also had arsenic inside of you, that's toxic. It would draw that out too, but it will bring all the metals with it. So you want to replace the healthy minerals that are called metals, the healthy minerals back in with a trace minerals supplement each day. There you go. Wow. You're, you're fantastic. I, I wrote as much as I could. So, uh, thank you. Uh, and, you're and welcome. of course I can replay this video over and over to get everything that you've said. Um, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for your time. We look forward to seeing you in Canada. Huge number of people in Canada want to see you. So Dr. Artis will be coming to British Columbia and Alberta for sure, maybe Saskatchewan. And uh, that's in mid-April. Watch for the, all of the, you know, we're going to be posting the posters everywhere and getting the word out. So thank you, Dr. Artis. Uh, give our love to Jane. Thank you for sacrificing and doing all of this work to help us, and as you say, to keep us safe. You are our hero. Thank you. Laura Lynn, you're fabulous, and congrats to your audiences uh, for uh, putting much faith and trust in you and spending time with you each day, and it's an honor to share time with you and share truth with your audiences. I hope that provides some benefit to their life for the rest of their life, and I can't wait to come to Canada and meet all of you. I love all of you and have loved supporting all of you, and I will be showing up with nicotine on my skin and my nicotine <laughs> patch. I'll be going all over Canada with my nicotine. <laughs> I'm not worried. All right, guys. You're all awesome. right. I love it. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Take care. Well, Goodbye. We may see you in Dallas soon, I hear. Yes, Great. yes. I'll be down in Dallas very soon. Thank you. Very I'll be on the Joni God show. bless you all. All right. Take care. That's right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, isn't he great? All right, let's all get our nicotine patches. So I do have a whole bunch of nicotine gum. So I did do what Dr. Artis said, and I cut it into four. And I have been just, you know, I, I keep forgetting, and I should do it more often because I did feel like it just gave me a boost. And you know, you all know that I deal with lupus. And Dr. Artis, a long time ago, the first time I met him, he said that he would help me to get rid of that because I since found out that, um, and I'm wondering if... The, the lupus that I was experiencing is kind of uh, on a real, you know, I haven't been feeling much of it lately, to be honest. Um, 
at all. And I, I'm wondering if the parasites, because I heard that lupus is parasites in your spleen. We've had Dr. Lee Merritt on here talking about that. So having been born in Africa, I thought, well, maybe I picked up parasites a lot of years ago. And so I've been having a parasite problem. I don't know. I don't feel the parasites. But um, so, of course, I went on ivermectin when I got COVID. <clears throat> and here and there, because I have, uh, you know, a good stash of ivermectin from going to Mexico and Costa Rica, where you can just, wow, get it over the counter. Imagine that. Can't get kids' medications these days. But, oh, I just, do you not just love that man? What a great man. Him and his wife had have had to go through so much death threats, um, you know, personal attacks, uh, credibility questions, all kinds of stuff when, in fact, what he's really trying to do is help us. I appreciate Dr. Artis so much. Before we go, a couple things. Um, there is a video about this, um, this bank, SVB Bank, failing. And I think we have to pay attention to all the areas of our world that are having a problem. You got that one handy? Okay. To go from the headlines yesterday to now the bank officially failing. Anybody who lived through 2008 remembers that when you have a crisis of confidence, things can move pretty quickly here, and there's a process. So the FDIC is now bringing this into receivership, uh, as, and they've talked about it, as they sell assets of the bank, future dividend payments can be made to uninsured depositors. Remember, the FDIC covers accounts of $250,000. Beyond that, you have to be giving the FDIC a call at this point. But yes, the FDIC is taking the bank into receivership this guys is one of the largest bank failures in history yep. remember it's one of the top 20 banks in the united states at the end of december had more than 200 billion dollars in assets by comparison uh, washington mutual was about 300 billion okay. so uh just a little comparison there about what kind of a moment we are sitting in here well, all we have to say is that every time we've had somebody that's speaking on finances, they've said, how can we continue to be okay? We're going to go to new currencies or a different currency or something, and that there's going to be some kind of catastrophic failure because they've been printing money. So we just want to let you know something we've done, we believe in, I believe in, or I couldn't put it out to you, is that you might want to invest some of the money that you have hanging around waiting for a rainy day, you might want to put that in gold and silver, and you might want to do it as soon as possible. We recommend Steve, uh, Steve Merrill, and his email is Sovereignize at ProtonMail.com. Sovereignize, ProtonMail.com. He will get back to you. If you can't get that, just write me. I'll, I'll send you the email. Um, I really do think it's important. You know, we don't... Um, we don't say anything that we don't, th you know, at one point, um, quite a while ago, uh, we were doing those big things of food, you know, and tell, and then I'm like, ah, can't people just go get all that food and just like, we do recommend having food, go to your, go to your Costco and get some good food and make sure you got three to six months stash somewhere, you know, of make sure you got a whole ton of that spaghetti stuff and, and I don't know, peanut butter, doesn't it last a long time? If, if you're down to, if there's a crisis and we can't go out and we can't, you know, they're capable of anything, right? Or, oh, you're suddenly not allowed in the, your favorite store. Well, who cares? Because you got six months worth of peanut butter and jam. I mean, if that's all you have, you're going to have to be like that. And then we'll just pray to God to deliver manna. So we'll appreciate that. My name's Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson. Um, thank you for your support. If you are able to 
help us to do what we do. We've given up everything in our lives to do this. We want to bring you Dr. Artis. We want to bring you Dr. Mackis, Dr. Paul Alexander. Um, and by the way, Dr. Paul Alexander has committed to coming in April as well. So Dr. Mackis will be there, Dr. Hodkinson. And so we're going to have a, a number of amazing, amazing doctors that are going to be at these conferences in three different cities. And then in September, September 23rd, we're looking at doing a big one. And uh, we're hoping to get Lance Wall now here. He could not come in April. So we're going to try to get him for September. Will that be fun or what? I absolutely love Lance Wall now. Look him up. <clears throat> Lance Wall now, W-A-L-L-N-A-U. He is on uh, Rumble. He's also on Facebook. You got to, I just, I think he is one of the most lovable prophets. Um, he has a way of saying things and he doesn't, he doesn't proliferate. You know, he doesn't go on and on about things he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't make stuff up, is what I'd like to say. He just he just says what he thinks and <clears throat> what the Lord tells him to say. And that's it. No more, no less. But he also can really talk about current times and what's happening. So uh, please, thank you very much for your support. We're trying to do really good things for Canada. We believe in Canada. And let us all, of course, say a prayer that perhaps we might see um, the end of Justin Trudeau. We do pray for that, and I do mean pray, I, because it's too harmful. We have to pray that righteous rulers are put in. Let that be a prayer at your dinner table tonight, everybody, that righteous rulers are put in so that, uh, so that we are not dealing with all of this nastiness that has happened to our country, the evil, the, the corruption. Thank you very much, everyone, for being with me. I'm, I'm so glad it's Friday. Are you glad? Did you all have your... Oh, listen, I want to say thank you to someone very special. They got me. So this says, life gets better with Jesus, and mornings get better with coffee, but life gets better with Jesus. <laughs> I love this mug. Thank you. I wanted to show that to everyone. And I am drinking my coffee. I didn't want to mess it up, so I'm drinking my coffee over here. Always get a coffee for the show because, you know, we're on here for a long time. Every day, right, JT, we say, let's do a shorter show. <laughs> it's not possible. So I'm going to read to you today from Luke 16. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and he asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot manager any longer the manager said to himself what am I gonna do now my master is taking away my job I'm not strong enough to dig I guess he was a little tiny guy and I'm and I'm ashamed to beg so he had a big ego wasn't gonna be begging I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here people will welcome me into their homes so this is what the manager did. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. So can you imagine you get given a job and you're overlooking the accounts receivable of the company and your boss calls you in and says, you know what, you're terrible. I mean, you haven't managed well at all and you haven't taken good care of this company. You're just awful. So we're gonna have a talk tomorrow morning and pretty much I'm gonna be letting you go. 
So, so the manager, this person who's going to be let go, he goes, wow. So he calls in all the accounts receivable people. Hey, you owe us uh, 50 grand, right? Listen, I'm going to do something for you because I like you. I'm going to cut that down to 10,000. All right. Do you think you can come up with that 10,000 pretty fast if I'm giving you this huge break? Well, so he called in each one of his master's debtors and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of oil, olive oil, actually, he said. <laughs> this was their bargaining money. This was their money of the day, olive oil. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it $450 or 450 olive oil batches. And then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. So the manager told him, well, take your bill and make it 800 bushels of wheat. So the master, what do you think he did? What did that master think about this? Now, this is Jesus telling a story about this management style. Do you think Jesus approved of what he just did? What do you think this parable is going to tell us? Well, the master commended, listen to this, commended this dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Listen to this. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. <laughs> and it says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, because wealth is kind of fickle, it's here today and gone tomorrow, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Isn't that an amazing story? So I'm gonna underline, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I want my kids to see what I think is important. But I think what he commended was that he showed grace and he brought in a, a return. And the master said, finally, finally, you're doing a good job. So I just want to go out there and say, if any of you out there owe me money, I'm going to cut that in half. Just pay me today. Will that work? You on board? He's not on board. Okay. Have a good weekend. <laughs> You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.